Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Welcome to Life Family Church. So um, keep us in your prayers. We're leaving for the country of Burma in about two weeks, or actually less than two weeks. And um, we're going with um, Pastor Todd DeLay and Daniel King. We're doing a miracle healing crusade there in the 1040 window. We're going to a place where it's an unreached people group. So it's like cutting edge right on the line. I think Burma is like where Miramar is. It's a border of like Thailand, China, India. It's halfway around the world. Hallelujah. Praise God. 23 hours on an airplane. Ah, Jesus, help me. Wasn't that, Dad? Yeah, I know. Good sleeping. Right. Absolutely. Amen. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Hebrews. I have been perfected as a Hebrew. I make coffee for my wife almost every morning, even though I don't drink coffee. It's either two things. I'll make it or McDonald's makes it. Praise God. Amen. So it doesn't work. So I'm an excellent Hebrew. All right. Y'all are still awake. All right. Praise God. Amen. Hebrews chapter 7, if you would, please. Hebrews chapter 7. So I understand that Kanye West, everybody know who Kanye West is? Who knows who Kanye is? How many doesn't know who Kanye is? How many could care less if you knew Kanye or not Kanye? Okay. Kanye is a rapper that was with the Illuminati, big time Satan guy, got born again. And so how many are familiar with Kim Kardashian? Okay, there you go. Kanye is the husband. So um, I guess he did a church service this last Saturday or something. Like over 2,000 people gave their hearts to Christ. Don't tell me we're not living in the end days, man. We're living in the end days. Yeah. The harvest is seriously picking up speed. Can you say amen? Amen. So um, it's interesting here in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1. I'm going to read to you out of the Passion Translation of the Bible. And it says this, Melchizedek name means king of righteousness. He was the king of peace because the name of the city which he ruled was the king of Salem, which means peace. And he was also a priest of the Most High God. Now, when Abram was returning from the defeating of many kings in battle, Melchizedek went out to meet him and blessed him. Then Abraham took a tenth of everything that he had won in the battle and he gave it to Melchizedek. This Melchizedek has no father or mother and no record of any of his ancestors. He was never born and he never died, but his life is like a picture of the Son of God, a king and priest forever. Now let me show you proof of how great this Melchizedek is. Now Melchizedek is an office in which Jesus is of the order of Melchizedek because he is a king and he is a priest. Some people say, well, tithing is not in the New Testament. I think Hebrews is in the New Testament. Praise God. Amen. So, but, you know, less than 3% of God's people tithe for some reason. They, 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 they're not keeping covenant, and I'm not sure why that is, except for the fact that maybe they just don't understand the principle of covenant and understand the principle of tithing and what it does for us. Because God would never ask us to do something without having it a benefit from us, 
to us. Can you say amen? So he goes on to say this, even though Abraham was the most honored and favored patriarch of all God's chosen ones, he gave a tithe of, tithe of the spoils of the battle to Melchizedek. It would be understandable if Melchizedek had been a Jewish priest, for later on God's people were required by law to support the priests financially because the priests were the relatives of the Abraham's descendants. So you have to understand that Abraham wasn't a Jew. The Jewish nation didn't come until Isaac was born. He was a Gentile. And Abraham paid tithes. What is that? It's 10 cents out of every dollar. That's been going on actually for the last, well, 6,000 years. Tithing has been instituted. It was 6,000 years ago. There's themes in the Bible from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. Blood is a theme that runs from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Tithing is a theme. Actually, the principle of the tithe goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. Amen. Well, what do you mean? God said to Adam, he said, of every fruit of every tree you may partake of, but the fruit of this one tree you can't eat of. So he's like, you can have 90% of all the fruit, but the 10% fruit of this one tree you can't have. So that principle is there. Why is that? Because God always desires to provide for his people. He's always, he always desires to protect his people. Isn't it interesting that the very first miracle that Jesus did was in John chapter 2 when he actually turned water into wine. It was a provision miracle. Come on, hello somebody, amen. And the Bible says that nobody got saved when he did that. Well, how come they didn't get saved? Well, he hadn't gone to the cross yet. Hello somebody, amen. So salvation wasn't provided for. Why did he do it? He said, to show forth his glory. And it was a provision miracle. So God has always desired to provide for his people. But he operates by faith. We know that Hebrews eleven six says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Come on, hello somebody. So he goes on to say this. He said, uh, it was understandable if Melchizedek had been a Jewish priest, for later on God's people were required by law to support. Now, isn't it interesting that God required under the law? Now, watch this. We're no longer under the Levitical law. Come on, how long? We're under, we're, we're, it was covenant, Levitical law. Now it's back to covenant. And we have a covenant relationship. What is a covenant? It's an agreeable thing between two entities. And covenants benefit the ones that are in covenants with one another. Amen. So he goes on to say, God's people were required by law to support their priests financially because the priests were their relatives of Abraham's descendants. But Melchizedek was not Abraham's Jewish relative, and yet Abraham still paid him a tithe. Wow. See, tithing does this. This is what it does. It's like this. Since it's a covenant, so therefore we need God on our side. Would you believe that you need God on your side? Amen. Yeah. So if God is for you, then who can be against you? Nobody. It's based on covenant. All the blessings of Abraham are yea and amen. All right? You have the blessings and then you have the cursings of Deuteronomy. Isn't that correct? Watch this. Jesus became a curse for us. Galatians chapter 3 says, Jesus became a curse for us for curses everyone who hang on a tree. So watch this. You're not a cursed people. Hey, man, that's good news. You are not cursed. Yeah, but Brother Jack, doesn't Malachi 3, 8, 9, and 10 says you are cursed with a curse? Yes, that's true, but watch this. There's two types of curses in the Word of God. There's the curse of the fall and the curse of the law. We are no longer under the curse of the 
law, but we're still under the curse of the fall. Hello. So what does tithing do? It sets a standard against the curse of the fall. Amen. It has to do a covenant. So therefore, what, what do you mean? Well, the Israelites were 40 years in the desert, right? Their clothes didn't wear out. Their shoes didn't wear out. Isn't that right? Hello, talk to me. Yeah, right? So therefore, what, ha- what happens is this. When you tithe, you give 10 cents. It hasn't increased in 6,000 years. The government takes more money out of your paycheck, out of your retirement fund. Come on, hello, somebody. And they didn't even ask your permission. Hello? They, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh. Listen, I have employees. I get it. I, under, I totally understand. I mean, they still take stuff out of mine. Amen. I'm like, golly, who gave them? Who said they could do that? No, they just took it. Render to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Can you say amen? So it's 10 cents that are done. So when you tithe, it sets a standard against the thief, the killer, the destroyer, the curse of the fall. What does that mean? That means your washing machine don't wear out when everybody else is running out. Car parts last a whole lot longer. Your clothes, hello, somebody. Everything starts to last a whole heck of a lot longer. Amen. Why? Because you're in covenant with God. And watch this. And because if you do tithe and you do give offerings, that gives you a right. That gives you a right to go before your father and say, we are in covenant, daddy. Daddy, knew, daddy needs a new pair of shoes. Come on, hello, somebody. No, no you, just, you have a right to go before God and contend with God. Now watch this. Are we the seed of Abraham? Come on, talk to me. Are we the seed of Abraham? Yeah, we're the seed of Abraham. So therefore... If our father Abraham was an example who tithe, should not the children of Abraham do the same thing? Absolutely. It has to do with covenant. You're in covenant with Almighty God, the God of the universe. The God that is so powerful, if he stopped the earth from spinning on its axis, we'd all fly off. That's how powerful God is. Can you say amen? He goes in to say, but Melchizedek was not Abraham's Jewish relative, and yet Abraham paid, paid a tithe. Melchizedek imparted a blessing on mighty Abraham. Watch this. Because Abraham tithed, Melchizedek, which is an office in which Jesus fulfills, imparts blessing. So if we understood the covenant, then that would not be an issue. You say, well, Dr. Jack, well, I can't afford to tithe. You can't afford not to. Hello? Well, I can't afford. Well, are you telling that the government? I can't afford for the government to take 50 bucks out every single. <laughs> I can't afford for them to take out the FICA tax every two weeks. I, what, what? I don't understand. My kids have gone, grown up. They've gotten married. They've moved on and all that kind of stuff. Why do I got to pay for somebody else's kids to go to school? Come on, hello, somebody. Listen, if you're a parent and they hit 18 and they're graduated, you move on. Make room for somebody else to pay. Why do I got to? Come on, hello, somebody. Why do I I got to pay for Jimmy to go to school? Because Jimmy ain't part of me. I didn't create Jimmy. No, come on, hello. There's a lot of unjust things. But here, they just take it out anyway, no matter what. But how much more a God who says, here's the principle of blessing. If you just go ahead and do it, you'll be blessed. But don't complain. Don't complain and murmur. Don't come crying to me because I put the principle out there and you decided not to because I gave you a choice. It's called a free will. See, the thing is, if we we don't apply the principles of the word of God, then how do we expect? Listen, God, the only sense of entitlement that we have with God is through the blood of Jesus. Amen. That's the only sense of entitlement with God. Hello? Hello? He's not, God is not an American. 
He's probably Jewish. Hey, man, come on, come on. Jesus was what? Okay, there you go. <laughs> Amen. Y'all are catching up. I think y'all are warming up this morning. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I had my monster energy coffee drinking some donuts this morning. Praise God. On the way, it was awesome. That's the reason why I'm kind of cranked up. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> had that coffee energy drink this morning. <laughs> Amen. He goes on to say this. Melchizedek imparted a blessing on mighty Abraham who had received the promise of God. And no one could deny the fact that no one who has the power to impart a blessing is superior to the one who receives it. Although the Jewish priests received tithes, they all died and they were mortal. But Melchizedek lives on. Melchizedek lives on. Melchizedek lives on. So he was from the very beginning. He is also the ending. Hello. So that priesthood carries over from Old Testament into New Testament. That priesthood carries on from the very beginning. It will also carry on to the very ending. So therefore, does that nullify us paying tithes to Melchizedek, the king of kings and lord of lords? No, it shouldn't. But people do it anyway. It's because they don't understand. See, when you come into the knowledge of the truth, the truth will set you free. Amen. That's right. When you come into the knowledge of the truth, the truth will set you free. So I understand the principle of the tithe. That's the reason why I do it. I tithe on my income. I tithe on my business. We tithe on the church. We tithe. We tithe. So I understand it. And I have a legal right to go before the throne of thrones and the king of kings and the Lord of lords and say, Lord, I'm keeping covenant with you. I need you to keep covenant with me. Can you say amen? amen? All right, with that, if you need an offering envelope on the back of the seat in, uh, in front of you is, an, is a tithe envelope, an offering envelope. And if you'll just fill that out, put all the, your address and everything on there. And then just be obedient to what God asks us to do. I mean, you have a choice. He'll never violate your free will. Praise God, amen. So you have a choice too, or you have a choice not to. I'm choosing this morning to keep covenant with God because I need him to really move on some things. Can you say amen? amen? Yeah. Yeah. So don't forget on December the 7th, Saturday, December the 7th, we are doing an outreach at an apartment complex here in town, and we have a potential of 200 families to reach with that. I'd really like to get a van. That's what I'd like to do, and then offer that on Sunday morning. You go by and pick people up. Hallelujah. So I'd like to do that. We could get a 15-passenger van or two 15-passenger vans, you know, and go get them. Come on, we're going to reap the harvest in and go get them. Yeah. So don't forget about that. And uh, also next year we're going to the country of the Dominican Republic um, in June. We won't be taking a team next year, but the year after we will be. So that will give you time to save, save your money and things like that to come with us. Don't forget LCU. Praise God. Don't forget we have a Christmas banquet that's coming up. And we all in here, all your friends, relatives, and neighbors that are visiting with you. And uh, got that coming up. And if you're not on our email connection, please uh, sign up for that. That tells you everything that's going on. Are you ready to give? Say yay. You're not ready to give? Say nay. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift and the giver. And Father, as we're obedient to keep covenant with you, Father, that we're not a rebellious people even in our hearts. And Father, you said where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So therefore, our treasure is with the kingdom of God and the advancement on the earth. So, Father, we thank you for your word, that your word be true. And, Father, we just thank you right now that we're blessed and highly favored in everything that we put our hand to. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, 
Amen. Amen and amen. This morning I want to talk to you a little bit about the anointing. The anointing. You know, what is the anointed? How do you know you're anointed? What do you do with the anointing? What does the anointing supply? So if you open your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. We're going to pick it up in verse 14. I want to encourage you tonight, too. We have service at 6.30 this evening. We flow in the gifts of the Spirit. Um, last Sunday night, we had a mother and a daughter who had come, and they had scoliosis of the spine. And the daughter had a lump, a big lump in the center of her back. And I just got a report this week that the lump disappeared last Sunday, and the spine is totally straight. So if you need healing in your body, no matter where you're at, Man, you know, we, not that God doesn't move in the Sunday morning services, but Sunday nights we just kind of pull out the stops, you know, let God do what he needs to do. Not that we don't do that Sunday morning. He can move wherever he wants to. But we're going to talk about the anointing this morning. Luke chapter 4, verse 14 says this, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit unto Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. I think that's a really good custom to go to church on Sunday. Can you say amen? It says, as his custom was, he went to the synagogue. Okay, because that was during Jewish times. He was Jewish. But the point of the fact of the matter is, in the New Testament, it was a good custom to go to church on Sunday. That's a good custom. Can you say amen? Because people say to me all the time, well, Dr. Jack, well, you know, we're the church. The building's not the church. Yeah, but the building is where we gather together. Praise God. Amen. To have church. Hallelujah. That's a good custom to have. You know, I I posted on Facebook the other day. It says, people want to go to heaven, but they don't want to go to church to learn about how to have heaven on earth. Come on out. People want to go to heaven, but they don't want to go to church on how to have heaven on earth. Because Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can you say amen? So he goes on to say, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read, and he delivered into the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. He said this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because. So see, there's always a reason. God always asks us for a reason. It's for our benefit. It's for our blessing. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance unto the captive, of recovery of sight to the blind, and that's spiritually and physically, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Go to Luke chapter 5, verse 15 through 17. It's kind of a scriptural foundation. Luke 5, 15 through 17. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear... And to be healed. You see, the gospel is the preaching and the teaching that leads to the demonstration of the power of God. If all we ever have is preaching and teaching and no demonstration of the power of God, it can turn into a form of godliness denying the power thereof. See, the gospel is the teaching and the preaching that leads to the demonstration of the Holy Spirit of power. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, it says, And Jesus went about the villages preaching and teaching and healing all. Acts 10 38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So he goes on to say here, 
And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed of him of their infirmities. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. And it came to pass on a certain day he was teaching. And there was the Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which came out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, the Bible talks about that when two or three are gathered together in Jesus' name, there he is in the midst of us. So his spirit, his physical person, which we cannot see, is in this room. Hello. But his spirit is in this room. So therefore, I can boldly say that the power and the presence of the Lord is to heal here this morning. It's whether we draw upon it with our faith. Now, what is faith? Faith is a firm persuasion. It is a confident expectation. It is the title deed of what you believe. Faith is simply belief. And we operate in principles of faith every single day. And sometimes we don't even realize that we're doing it. For example, you know, if you go out on a Friday night and you go to the movies and you, you go out and you turn out the, all the lights in your house. And when you walk into your house and you go to the light switch and you flip the light switch on, you fully expect for the lights to come on. But you can't see the conduit in the wall that has the electrical wires that go to the transformer. And the transformer goes down to the circuit breaker in the box that's in your garage that goes out to the transformer that's on the outside of the electrical wire outside your house. You don't even think about that. You just walk in, you want the lights to come on, and you flip the lights on, and you totally believe they're going to come on. If they don't, you're taken back for a brief moment. Oh, my gosh, the power's out. What's going on, you know? Come on, when you got in your car this morning, you stuck your key in the ignition, and all of a sudden you cranked the key over. Some of you had to exercise a little more faith than others, but you still began to. And some of you really bold had problems with engines. You know, pop that hood, you know, take off the air filter, spit down the carburetor. Okay, now, honey, crank it over. And then you had a spitting ministry. Praise God, amen, because your spit worked just like Jesus' spit did. Because you spit down the carburetor and it cranked it up. Okay, praise God. Amen. Uh, you, 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 a little looser this morning, praise God. And for a brief moment, I thought I had a tough crowd. Amen. No, no, you exercise faith. Faith is what draws the power of God. Faith is simply belief. It's a belief system. If you want to put it, it's a firm persuasion. It's a confident expectation. It's the title deed of what you believe. Before you see it, before you feel it, and before you have it. People say, well, seeing is believing. No, believing is seeing. Well, I'll see it when I believe it. I'll believe it when I see it. No, you, know, you got to believe it first, and then you'll see it. Because according to Mark eleven twenty three and 24, Whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he saith, he shall have whatever he saith. Come on now. So it's not seeing is believing. It's believing is seeing. And that's what's pleasing to God. Hello, according to the book of Mark, chapter 5 and verse 25, there was a woman with an issue of blood who had gone to many physicians for many years, was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, she came and pressed behind and touched the hem of his garment, for she said, if I can just touch the hem of his clothes, I'll be made whole. So what did she do? She placed the demand on the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ based upon what she was hearing, because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, watch this, and accepting as truth what you hear. So like this morning when I was talking about the tithe, you either accept that as truth, what you hear, or you don't believe it. Come on, hello, somebody. Well, I don't believe the healing's for today. Well, let me ask you. you when you need a miracle, believe me, your belief system will change. Hello, somebody. Just because you, doesn't, you don't believe something in the Word of God doesn't mean that's not true. It just changes the outcome of our lives. Our belief system doesn't change the truth. It just changes the outcome of our lives. Come on now. 
People say, I don't believe in miracles. Well, you'll believe when you need one. Come on, hello, somebody. And they'll know exactly who to go to who believes in miracles and signs and wonders and the anointing. They'll find you. I remember, I remember a couple of years ago, there was a, a church that was somewhere in Florida, and um, a fairly large church, and they invited a missionary to come and minister. And when that minister, he was from South Africa, and when he got done preaching, he began to minister. Well, demons started manifesting. And this is a couple thousand member church, all right? And people are, you know, and it kind of freaked a whole bunch of people out, all right? And so it was a family member of a member, and this guy was having, like, nightmares and bad dreams, and he was just, I mean, horrible, and he went to one of the local pastors of that church, and that pastor couldn't help him. He said, you need to find somebody who believes in that kind of stuff. So guess what happened? Somebody told him about us. Amen. And I remember on a Sunday morning they came, and then afterwards they said, hey, listen, we need to, we'd like to talk to you. We understand that you believe in miracles and casting out devils and healing the sick. And all. I said, absolutely. Raising the dead, come on, and cleansing lepers. I said, absolutely. Well, this is the situation we're facing right now. Here's my son-in-law. He's having nightmares. He can't sleep. He's got night sweats. He doesn't know what to do. I said, let's go back into the office. So we went to the office and sat down, got a chance to talk to him, ask him, have you, did you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? He said, yes, I have. I said, have you been baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire? He said, no, I haven't. I said, do you know anything about that? He said, no, I don't. So I gave him a whole bunch of scriptures on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I said, would you like to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost? He said, absolutely would. So all of a sudden we prayed for him and man, he started screaming in other tongues. I mean, in the back office. From what I understand, he hasn't had one nightmare, one night sweet. Come on, hello, somebody. Amen. amen. So they know exactly who to find when they need help. Can you say amen? And I'm so glad that I'm full of, in a room full of Holy Ghost dancing, Bible thumping, Holy Ghost dancing, spit down the devil's throat creatures right now. That's who I'm hanging out with. Can you say amen? Because the devil's under our feet. Can you say amen? And we got the victory over him. Amen and amen. So he goes on to say here, he said that the power of the Lord was present to heal them. So that's, what is that? That's the anointing. What is the anointing? The anointing is the tangible manifested presence of God. You can't have revival without a move of the Holy Ghost. It's impossible to have revival without the gifts of the Spirit in operation. Listen, we serve a supernatural God. And you are a supernatural people. You are spirit, soul, and body. You are a triune being like God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Your spirit first, your spirit being first. Hello. You have a soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a body. Paul called it a tent. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Is not your body the temple of the Holy Ghost, and God there dwells in? You see, when you get born again, you get God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Come on, hello. I call it kind of a well-anointing. Isaiah 12, 3 says, Therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. But then you can go on to a river anointing. In John 7, 37, 38, and 39, Jesus stood the last day of the great day of the feast. He said, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. For out of his belly will flow forth rivers of living water. Verse 39 says, But this he spake of the Spirit, which was not yet given, for Christ had not yet been glorified, or gone to the cross, and died, and sprinkled the blood, and risen from the dead, and sent the mighty Holy Ghost. We know that to be true because in the book of, um, book of Matthew, chapter 3, verse 11, John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me whose shoe latch I'm unworthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Hello. It's an amazing thing when a Baptist talks about a Pentecostal to come. Amen. 
And then he goes on to say in Acts chapter 1, verse 5, he said, and you shall receive, you know, he said, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you to be a witness unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Plant City, Dover, Brandon. Hello, in the uttermost parts of the earth. Can you say amen? So therefore, you're going forth because you're Jesus, people, because Jesus lives on the inside of you. And we know that to be true because in the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all assembled together in one place, and suddenly a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them cloven tongues as a fire, and it sat on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now when this was noise abroad, a multitude came together, every man out of every nation under heaven, Corinthians and Medes and Elamites, and dwellers of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus, in Asia and Fergie, Pamphylia, parts of Libya about Serene, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongue, the wonderful works of God. But others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. But Peter standing up with the eleven, why did Peter have to stand up? Obviously he was on the floor. Peter standing up with the eleven said, you men of Judea, hooking my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, but this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days, says God. In the last days, says God. If that was the beginning of the last days, you and I are living in the last of the last days. In the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men will dream dreams upon my handmaidens, upon my men servants. I am pouring out of those days of my spirit, and I will show wonders in the heavens above, signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. It's almost as good as lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my. I really wish there was somebody I could preach to this morning, praise God, amen. I just really wish. (laughs) Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Come on, blood, the blood of Jesus, the fire, the fire of the Holy Ghost, the vapor of smoke, the glory of God, which was visibly seen in the days of old, but now the glory of God dwells on the inside of you, for you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. Dwells on the inside of you. Blood and fire and vapor and smoke. And in verse 21 says, And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It was that way with the apostle Paul, who was called Saul in Acts chapter 9. The Bible says that a light shone around about him. And as Paul, who was Saul, who was Saul, who is now Paul, as he was falling to the ground said, Who art thou, Lord? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You might not have time to call on the name of the Lord when you're driving down I-4 in a Mack truck, skips the median, and, and all of a sudden you see two lights headed toward you. All you want, Jesus! That's all you might have time to say. Pray. You might even just, G. <laughs> even if it was just G. Come on, hello. You may have been thinking it, couldn't you? From the process of thinking the name of Jesus to the mouth, you just got G out. If you're saved. Praise God. Amen. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Praise God. The word anointing means to pour upon, to smear or rub, unctuous substance spread over as with oil. The Vines Expository Dictionary says this, Believers have an anointing from the Holy One, which indicates this anointing renders them holy, separating them to God. The facade... Uh, Bible Dictionary says this, anointing with oil means successful, means joyous. In other words, wherever the anointing is, there's prosperity. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. The word glory means kabod or the heaviness of his presence. 
He'll supply all your need when the kabod of God is on you. Why is that? Because anywhere Jesus went, things advance. Things become successful. Things begin to prosper. Hello, somebody. The Bible says Jesus became sickness. He became disease. He became poverty. That through his poverty, you and I can become rich in all things. You cannot have anointing and poverty in the same room. It's impossible. The anointing destroys poverty. You cannot have sickness and the anointing in the same room because the anointing destroys sickness. And you have that unctuous substance on the inside of you. But my God shall supply all my needs. According to his riches in glory. It's in the anointing. It's in that substance. The anointing is God's ability on your inability. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ. The word Christ is not Jesus' last name. The word Christ means anointed and his anointing. I can do all things through the anointing. That infuses infuses me. That strengthens me. When you're weak, he is strong. Why? Because his strength in your life is made perfect in your weakness. I heard Dr. Rodney Howard Brown say this recently at the minister's conference. He said one of the key things to the anointing of God in the service is that he gets himself drunk and the Holy Ghost before he comes out and ministers. I remember when I was at Rainbow Bible Training Center, a friend of mine, Billy Dalton, he said, Brother Jack, if you ever pastor, brother, make sure you pastor drunk in the Holy Ghost because you're going to need it. How right was he? He was so right. Hallelujah. Get drunk in the Holy Ghost. It, really? Drunkenness is in the Bible? Yeah, Isaiah 29, verse 9, out of the Amplified Version of the Bible. Stop and wonder at this prophecy, if you choose, whether you understand it or not. Soon you will witness the actual event and be confounded reluctantly. Blind yourself now, then be blinded at the actual occurrence. They are drunk, but not from wine. They stagger, but not from strong drink, but from spiritual stupor. Why is it that we get people born again in the world, and they're in the honky-tonks, they're in the beer joints, they're in the discos, they're smoking weed, and they're doing drugs. We get them bored again. They get all fire. And then and we want to bring them into a church. There's no new wine to drink. No healing bread to eat. And they, they were having more fun. Listen, why can't we have happy hour every day? If the world has happy hour, why can't we have it? I guarantee you tomorrow. Tomorrow is Monday. Hello. And they're going to be in the office. Everybody's going to be in the office. And somebody probably right around 1, 2 o'clock say, hey, listen, we're going to O'Brady's. For some O'Doul's. How many are going? About 12 of us. What time's happy hour? 6 p.m. Oh, we'll be there. How long does it last? Till 9. Happy. (laughs) Dad, am I right? You're in the museum. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah, see? Yeah. They do that Monday. Tuesday. Wednesday. Thursday. Friday! Friday, Saturday, Sunday. (laughs) Y'all seen that video on YouTube? (laughs) Oh, the old man started coming out. Put that old man down. Get dignified and religious. Not in this place. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can't get religious in here. 
Welcome to the house of freedom. Hallelujah. We're not going to put a yoke on you. Promise. Or bind you up. Or control you. Or manipulate you. Hallelujah. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> so the anointing, we just get back to the anointing. Okay, so the anointing, what is, <laughs> what is the anointing like? See, it's that personality. I just, you know, that sanguine personality gets off focus and everything like that, you know. What is the anointing? The anointing is like electricity. Amen. Have you ever seen electricity? Oh, hold on, lightning bolt, right? Or is that a flash of the electricity? Could be the flash of the electricity. So let me tell you what the anointing is like. It's like electricity. You, I could put a sign over here on the wall. And it says, do not stick your finger in the socket, live wires. Well, just because there's a sign there that says that the wires are live doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Because there are stop signs in public and people run them every single day. Praise God. Amen. Hello. So how you, <laughs> not to mention any names, Juan. Praise God. Amen. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my, my one of my employees, Juan, right there. He's a good guy. I like him a lot. He does all right. He's got a tough job, I tell you. All right, back to the electricity. So if you go if you walk over there and you see the sign that says, Do not touch live wire. Well, how would you know? Just because there's a sign there doesn't necessarily mean it. No, you you the only way you to know is be right? Now, if the wire was live and you stuck your finger in the light socket, believe me, there would be a corresponding reaction. There would be a manifestation of the results of of sticking your finger in the light socket. Let me ask you, how many have have children? You have children. Okay. How many, you you have grown children, can you say? I got grown children. Okay. How about this? When when your child was maybe two, three years old, so you think about the parents, you know, and they wanted to stick their finger in the light socket over there, and you tell, Johnny, don't stick your finger in that light socket. Boy, I'm telling you, it's not going to feel good. But, you know, Johnny didn't listen because then the one time he grabbed a screwdriver. And he was about to stick the screwdriver. Johnny, put the screwdriver down, you know. Don't touch it. And all of a sudden, one day, Johnny decided to ignore all the warnings from the parents of not sticking the screwdriver in. Is that what happened to him? No. (laughs) Not this one. The other one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The one we're praying for. Okay. Praise God. Amen. You know, one day, Johnny was, you know, your back was turned and all that kind of stuff, and you were washing the dishes or you were doing something, and Johnny decided to take the screwdriver, right? So he goes over there, and he sticks that screwdriver, and suddenly you hear this, ah! Right? And the circuit breaker blew and all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, Johnny became an evangelist. <laughs> he started telling his brothers and sisters, don't stick your finger in the light socket. The light socket doctrine is true. I'm just going to tell you right now, don't put it in there. Don't, don't do it. Mom and dad were right. Mom and dad were right. Don't stick it. And suddenly he got on Facebook, don't stick the finger in the light socket. Come to the light, not the light up. Praise God. Amen. Just, Amen. hello. It's the same thing with the anointing. Anytime when the supernatural comes in contact with the natural, something's going to take place. Something's got to give, and it's not going to be the supernatural. It's going to be the natural. Come on, hello, somebody. You cannot have a move of God without the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And he's a person. He took the place of Jesus here on the earth. That's the reason why you got to get to know him. you got to get to know the third person of the Godhead, who is the Holy Spirit. 
He's a person. He has feelings. He has emotions. Come on, hello. Sometimes what happens is, is people can't relate to the Holy Spirit. They can relate to God. You know, God has a nose. He has an ear. He has fingers. We relate to Jesus. Come on, he took on human flesh. And he walked among us. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, listen, the Holy Spirit is not Casper. Casper the ghost. He's not Casper the friendly ghost. He's not Casper. Come on, he's a person. He took the place of Jesus here on the earth. Not only is he on the earth, but he's, not, he's in us. I mean, try to figure that one out. Come on, God is omnipresent. Satan is not omnipresent. So the anointing is like electricity. The anointing is like wind. Have you ever seen the wind? I've never seen the wind. Have you ever felt the wind? Ever seen the effects of the wind? You know, just as much as electricity can be a benefit for us as it runs the air conditioning, but also electricity can be so powerful that it will kill you. Just as much as the wind, come on now, woke up this morning, walked out the back door, took Jesse out, oh, a little kind of a breeze, you know, I I felt, let's let's open up all the windows, get this musty smell out of the house, praise God, amen, you know, right, hello, but if they, all of a sudden, it it goes to 150 miles an hour, batten down the hatches, put all the furniture away, come on, hello somebody, what's the same thing with the anointing, the anointing is like the wind, you can't see the wind, but you can feel it. You can feel the anointing. You can feel God's presence. Hallelujah. Sometimes what happens is that the anointing is not well understood. Why? Because it's not really taught on in the body of Christ. Man. No, it seems like the messages that are coming across the airwaves, that are coming across the television, it's always messages that make you feel like you're the best you now. Just keep on going. You're the best you now. It's wonderful and you're just so precious and God loves you. God loves you. He just loves you. He loves you so much. And whatever will be, will be in the sweet Bible. K-ra-sa-ra-sa-ra. Doors Day doctrine. I mean, just come on now. No, there's, there's a message of holiness. Messages of purity. Messages of living pure and right. Oh, don't say, you can't say, you can't say holiness in church. You may offend somebody. Don't say holiness. You can't tell people to live holy. They, they, may, they may not come back next Sunday. Go on, hello, somebody. Hey, pure, holy, living right. You, you can't mention the words adultery, fornication, or even hell. Don't mention hell. Don't mention hell, brother. That's just a figment of people's imagination. There's really no Satan, and there really isn't any hell. What? Dad, don't leave. I'll change. I'll change, Dad. Don't walk. (laughs) That's my dad, guy. That's my dad. Stretch forth your hand toward my dad. Father, just bless my dad in Jesus' name. Bless him in there. (laughs) See, you start talking about the anointing, people leave. Oh, my God. No. Okay, we'll come right back. All right, praise God. (laughs) No, people don't. Listen, I I just want to stick with the word. I just want to be a proclaimer of the word. It, it, the moment I stop proclaiming this and, and stop telling the truths or get into weird doctrine, please run. Run as fast as you can. <laughs> Praise God, just run. Amen. Now, I just stick with the word because, listen, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen. Amen. The anointing on the ministry of the Lord Jesus. How did Jesus prepare for ministry? When was Jesus anointed? How did the Holy Spirit, and why did the Holy Spirit drive him out into the wilderness? Those are good questions. 
You have to understand that Jesus prepared 30 years for three and a half years of ministry. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, it says this, And there shall come forth, a, come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. It shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of the eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of the ears. At the age of 12, Jesus was in the Jewish synagogue teaching the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the doctors of the law at 12 years old. Amen. There was a specific time and a specific place in which Jesus was anointed. That At 12 years old, he was not anointed at 12 years old. Yeah, but he was the son of God. He was perfect. Well, how did his parents know that? How did anybody know that? Nobody knew that at the time. Not even Satan. Satan didn't know that at the time either. No, there was a specific time. Listen, when Jesus was 12 years old, he didn't raise dead birds from the, off the ground, okay? He didn't do any supernatural acts. Come on, hello, somebody. As a matter of fact, one time in this story, he's, in the, he's at 12 years old in the synagogue, right? The whole caravan of family left. And Jesus was left in the temple. And they forgot. And it disturbed his parents, his mother and his stepfather, Joseph. Joseph was his stepfather. You understand that, right? Okay. Yeah. Hello. As a matter of fact, after three days, they're on the journey. Hey, hey, you seen Jesus? Where's Jesus? Jesus. 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 Where's Jesus? Jesus. Is he, is he with us? Oh, could you imagine a mom panicking? Come on, mothers. You'd panic when your son or daughter missing for three days. Let's go back. Turn around. Turn around. Let's go. Go ahead. Right? They found him in the synagogue. And the Bible says that they were upset. His parents were upset with him. His mother was upset. Son, why'd you do this? Why? Don't you know that I got to be about my father's business? Hello? And the Bible says he was obedient to them. He thought, oh, ooh, I'm supposed to be about my father's business, but oh, made a mistake here. Come on, hello, somebody. Yeah, he, he made a mistake. He was sinless. He didn't sin. His mom and dad didn't say to him that he couldn't stay. Come on, hello, somebody. But obviously, he concerned his parents so much so. Come on, hello, somebody. When was Jesus anointed? He was anointed when he was baptized by John the Baptist. The Bible says that when John the Baptist baptized him, he came up out of the water, and John the Baptist said, the heavens opened up, and the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove. He's not a dove. The Holy Ghost is not a dove. He's a person. Enlightened upon him like a dove. And the Bible says, then immediately the Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness for 40 days and for 40 nights. I call it the school of the Spirit. He went to the school of the Spirit. Why? Because he had such a short time in his ministry and he knew he had a short time. So what did he learn out in the wilderness? Well, number one, he prayed, he fasted, and he used the Word of God. He prayed, he fasted, and he used the Word of God. Why did he fast? To overcome his flesh. What, why did he use the Word of God? To overcome the devil. So fasting helps you to overcome your flesh. Using the Word of God helps you to overcome the devil. That's a good thing. When the devil puts in your mind, oh, you ain't going to pay your bills this month. Ah, uh -uh, devil, I'm a tither. I have legal right 
and I have covenant with all my... My God will supply all my need. According, try to put sickness. Uh-uh. I'm a tither, I give, and not only that, I have a covenant with God. He took my infirmities. He took my sicknesses. Yet I did esteem him stricken and smitten of God. He was bruised when I iniquities. The chastisement of my peace is upon him, and by his stripes I am healed. So get thee behind me, Satan. You are under my feet. I've got a victory over you in Jesus' name. See, you have legal rights. You have legal rights to use the word of God. Why? Because you're in covenant. You have legal rights to use the anointing of God. I have two sons. My oldest son is John. My youngest son is Josh. Josh, next year, is getting ready to start, start the church. He kind of told me we're going to start doing Bible study. While they were growing up, we never took them to the doctor, and they were never put in the hospital. Why is that? Because they never got sick. What do you mean they never got sick? Any kind of symptoms, we would immediately lay hands on them or we would anoint them with oil. Now watch this, watch this. Now if it, if it lingered, this, you know, the fever lingered for a day or two days, then we would do whatever we have to do. Okay, there's nothing wrong with going to the doctor. Come on, hello somebody. Sometimes you need to go to the doctor to find out what's going on so that you can focus your faith on that area of your body. Can you say amen? Yeah. So I'm, I... I, I I'm not against doctors, okay? Please go to the doctor. I encourage people, if they come up here and they get healed, go back to your doctor. Check it out. See if you've been healed or not. Oh, I want proof. I don't want somebody, they said that they got healed and they didn't get healed. Go get checked out. Come on, hello, somebody. Amen? Uh, Luke was a physician in Jesus' ministry. Come on, hello, somebody. I don't know. They were deaf. Okay, how do you know? Hey, Luke, check it out, will you? <laughs> come on, hello. Hello. I mean, if you have gastritis, okay, it was, it was a problem in the intestines, how do you know you're healed unless you go back to the doctor? Hello? I mean, if you've got a tumor somewhere on the inside of you and it's not showing on the outside, how do you know? Go get an x-ray. Go get a son, whatever, you know, sonogram or cat scan or anything like that. Just make sure you take your pet cat with you when you um, go. Cat scan. <laughs> That's terrible. Did you hear about the, the three-legged dog? <laughs> Some of you haven't heard about three-legged dog. There's a three-legged dog, you say, and he, he lived in the Western, and all of a sudden he walked into a bar, right? Three-legged dog. And he had his hat on and everything like that, and he walked up to the bartender, and the bartender said, what can I do for you? He said, I want to know the man who took my paw. Okay, what? Well, all right. Three-legged dog, you know. You have to watch westerns. Uh, <laughs> how many got that? Come on, let me see. Okay, praise God. All right. <laughs> I want to know the man who took my paw. All right. The anointing on every believer. When you get born again, you become anointed. Isaiah 12, 3. Right? Therefore with joy. No, Isaiah 12, 3. Yeah. Therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Wells of salvation. Okay? So when you get born again, you get anointed. You get God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You don't separate the anointing from the Trinity. Alright? So you get anointed. You, you are holy in the eyes of God until unholiness happens. So if you slip up and you sin, then it's unholiness. You're righteous until unrighteousness happens. Come on now. When you slip up in your sin, watch it, when you slip up in your sin, it separates you from the presence of God. It doesn't separate you from God, it separates you from His presence. 
separates you from the anointing. That's the reason why over the years we've heard preachers have flown in a powerful anointing, hello, and then on Mondays they're sleeping with the girlfriend at a hotel. But the day before on Sunday, a blind person saw, a deaf person, you know, somebody got out of a wheelchair. Why is that? Because the gifts and the callings of God without repentance. Once he gives a gift, he doesn't take it back. And for a period of time until repentance comes, because God has long patience. Come on, hello, somebody. He'll, he'll work with you. So if you repent, hello, then you're back restored in fellowship with him. But if you don't repent of your sin, because God has to judge sin, God would rather remove himself from you than immediately judge you. But the judgment that comes is a result of the sin. Come on, hello, somebody. So God will always give people an opportunity to repent and think, until things are exposed. That's just, that's just, just his nature. Okay? So you have, to, you, have to, you have to develop a relationship with the Holy Ghost, with the Holy Spirit. Talk with him. Spend time with him every day. And you don't necessarily always have to go into a prayer closet, even though that's really good. Because if you go into a prayer closet, according to the book of Matthew, God will reward you openly when you spend time with him. Okay? But I'm talking about spending time with him every single day. Talk with him. And another thing, too, is don't violate your conscience. Don't violate your conscience. Because your conscience and the Holy Ghost are connected. And so what happens is this, is if people violate their conscience over and over and over and over and over and over again, suddenly then they, come in, they fall into deception. Come on. And they, call, and they can actually sear their conscience. Hello. I remember a number of years ago, I met with an 18-year-old and a 19-year-old, and they were in church at one time. And then all of a sudden, you know, they, they were talking about getting married. And, but they, you know, they were in fornication. And so we're sitting there, I'm talking to them, and I said, well, you know, it's better to marry than to burn, because you can burn two ways. You can burn in heaven, I mean, burn in passion, or you can burn in hell. And you don't want to burn either way, praise God. So you ought to get married. By the end of the conversation, she looks at me and says, I'm feeling convicted right now. And I, I, mean, I wasn't doing anything except just counseling with them. And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, you know what, we've been in fornication for so long, I thought, every, I thought that was just normal. And now I realize that it's wrong. God wants us to be married. Come on. So what happened to her? She had, she had seared her conscience. Hello. And then all of a sudden came, saw the word of God. And the water of God brought revelation. Come on. Hello. And the Holy Spirit brought conviction, not condemnation. Did you hear what I said? The Holy Spirit causes conviction, not condemnation. Condemnation comes after. Even so, much so, even when you repent, the devil's on your shoulder, you wretchless thing. You, 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 therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, watch this, who walk not after the flesh. If you walk after the flesh, there's going to be condemnation. God doesn't condemn, he convicts. Watch this, conviction comes first before you actually fall into sin. Then how, if that's not true, then how, how is he a way to provide a way of escape? When you are tempted, he will always provide a way of escape. You have to take the way out. Oh, come on. Hello, you got to take the way out. He'll always talk to you ahead of Don't do that. Don't click that. Don't watch that. Don't do that. Don't. And then you have a choice to override it, yield to your flesh. Why? Because sin is pleasurable for a season. Then it pays wages for the wages of sin is death. And so when you understand the anointing, you understand the presence of God. Amen. It's a good word. Amen. So always yield to the Holy Ghost, who is actually the power side of God. The Holy Spirit is the anointing side of God. The Holy Spirit is the power side of God. Go to the book of Genesis, chapter 1. Are you all doing all right? 
Okay. Is this good? Mm-hmm. All right. Good. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was out form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Watch this. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. So the Holy Spirit was, is the power side of God. He was involved with creation. So he was hovering over the face of the waters. God said, let there be light. Then who performed the light? The Holy Spirit did. He's the power side of God. And if you have Jesus in your heart and you've asked Jesus to come in your heart, then you have him in there. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And if you're baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire and you speak with other tongues, then you're at a deeper level in your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because you have to understand that tongues is the gateway to the supernatural, praying in the Spirit. Jude verse 20, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. How do you pray in the Holy Ghost? Acts 2, 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them us. Acts chapter 19, when Paul and Apollos, and he came among some disciples, and he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, we rather not heard there be any Holy Ghost. And he said, unto what you were baptized. And they said, John's baptism. And John baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying they should believe on the one who should come after him, whose shoe latch is unworthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost of fire. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. So that's the reason why it's important that every single day you pray in the Spirit. Why is that? When you pray in the Spirit, you build your faith. Jude verse 20, Beloved, building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So you build your faith by reading the Word of God every day. You build your faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. And then you build your faith by keeping covenant with God. And when you prove that out, you keep covenant, God backs you. You keep covenant, God backs you. You didn't get to the place where you're at right now overnight. Come on, hello somebody. It's taking time. Little foxes spoiling the vine. Little compromises. Come on, and then you finally realize, oh my gosh, I, I was once here with God, now I'm way here with God. What happened? Well, that's okay. You just repent, you ask God to forgive you, you get back in fellowship, and you keep on walking down the road. The, the point that we get ourselves into trouble, because we're working our salvation out with fear and trouble, is when we decided, I no longer want to change, I no longer want to be better, God, just get away from me, I don't want to, I want to be the way. That's when you're in trouble. But if you're moving toward God and you stumble and you fall, the Bible says a righteous man or woman Falls seven times, but he'll rise again. That's where God wants you to be. He doesn't want you to remain spiritually where you're at. He wants you to progressively move forward and forward. And in that progressively moving forward, you may trip. You may stumble. Listen, President Donald Trump is born again, but he's got his pampers on. Hello, somebody. Come on. <laughs> he, needs to grow. he needs to grow like we all do. Come on now. Hello. I would say just about everybody in this room is a little bit further than just pampers. Come on, hello, somebody. Amen. Amen. Yeah, you probably know a whole heck of a lot more than President Trump now, spiritually. Come on, hello. Yeah, and that's where God, he wants us to grow and grow and grow. So if we're progressively moving forward, and if we stumble within that, there's mercy and there's grace. The, the mistakes yesterday that you may have made or the s- stepping into sin yesterday you made. Listen, when you got up, this, when you woke up, his mercies was new every morning. Come on, hello, somebody. It was a new day. Yesterday is gone. Right. Hello? And if you ask God, please forgive me. I'm sorry. I keep messing up in this area. God has to forgive you. 
What do you mean God has to forgive you? He would never hold us to a standard that he himself doesn't keep. Peter said to Jesus, said, Lord, how many times am I to forgive my brother in which he sins against me? Up to seven times, Lord. Now watch this. In Jewish tradition, they were to forgive five times in a day. Peter thought, I'll just do it two more times. <laughs> I'll be winning if I just do it two more times. And then Jesus looked at him and said, no, you must forgive 70 times seven or 390 times. You mean to tell me if my brother, if Brother Jeff offends me up to 390 times in a day, he needs to get saved. No, I'm 490. 490. Sorry, 490. Yes. Thank you. I'm glad that you know that. <laughs> 490 times in a day. So watch this. God would never hold us to a standard that he himself wouldn't keep. So when we make a mistake and we ask God to forgive us, he must. But when somebody sins against us or offends us, we too have to forgive them up to 490 times in a day. Man, you're in a bad way if you're offending 490 times. That's a whole heck of a lot. I mean, how many times is that a minute? I mean, <laughs> I mean 10 times in a minute you offended 10 people in 10, in 10 minutes. That's a, bad, that's a bad day. That's really a bad day. You cut 10 people off in traffic on I-4 as they drove by and gave you the digit. Praise God. Amen. Yeah. Can you give me about five more minutes? I mean, we could go 30 minutes and wait till everybody else gets out from lunch. Praise God. Amen. And then, you know, the buffet line will be clear. <laughs> we can walk through the buffet line with all the leftovers. Praise God. All right. So when you get born again, and then when you get filled with the Holy Ghost or actually baptized in the Holy Ghost, then you get a river, a river anointing. John 7, 37, 38, 39. Jesus stood in the last day of the great day of the feast. He said, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. For out of his belly shall flow with rivers. So you can go from a well, Isaiah 12, 3, therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation, to a river, according to John 7, 37, 38, and 39. That river comes from the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues, other languages in which you do not know. Hello. I think Tuesday night we had prayer this week. And as I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, I actually would speak other languages in which I did not know. But then there was a few words that would come out in English. And then there was a few words that come out in Spanish. Hello. Yeah. So it's under language you do not know. It's a heavenly thing. It's the source. It's the transformer on the inside of you. So here's the key thing. Learning to have the greater one on the inside. Greater is he that is in you. And he that is in the world. The greater one. Learning to yield to him. Listen. You have a symbiotic relationship with God. You're a host. You're hosting him on the inside of you. And then what you learn to do, and it could take, it could take weeks, it could take, it take, sometimes it takes years for some people. It could take months for some people. Allowing him to totally take control of your life. Amen. And that's harder maybe for some than others because there's some that really like to be in control. They don't want to lose control. Some personality, some personality types really like control. You know, I, I read an article recently of people that have a fear of flying. They discovered that those people that have a fear of flying, um, they like to be in control of their lives. So therefore, when they're on an airplane, they feel a loss of control, and then all of a sudden, panic hits. 
Come on, hello, somebody. Amen. But hey, listen to, 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 if you have a symbiont. So in other words, the greater one lives on the inside of you. God himself. I, I mean, if you just think of that for a brief second. God of the universe. And the person of his, uh, of his person, his son, and his spirit lives in me. You would be very careful how you carry him. Thank you for that shout of hallelujah and amen. <laughs> I'm, serious. I'm serious. We would be, we would be very careful how we carry God and where we go and what we do and what we say and how we act. Isn't that right? The Bible says, is there any place that anyone can hide from God? Can't. We can't hide from God. So what does God want us to do? He wants us to put his word in our heart. Psalms 119 verse 11 says this, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So, I, I, okay, well, if i got a sin problem and things like that, then what's going to strengthen me to be able to overcome my sin? Hiding God's word in your heart. Be ye a doer of the word and not a hearer only. So that means I have to actually practice the word. There are actually more do's in the word than there are don'ts. And if we get busy about doing the do's, you don't have to be concerned about the don'ts. Hebrews, Hebrews 11, wait a Hebrews chapter, Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God, you had to check the memory banks, praise God, amen. <laughs> Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Watch this. Piercing to the dividing of soul and spirit. So it, it divides our mind and emotions by our spirit, man. Most people are led by their mind and emotions than they are by their spirit, man. But the discerning factor of whether it's either from us or from God is the word of God. Because the, the Holy Spirit would never contradict the word, ever. Everything, anything and everything that the Holy Spirit would do would line up with the Word. It wouldn't contradict the Word. That's the reason why the Apostle Paul addressed the Corinthian church when they were learning about the gifts of the Spirit. And Paul said to the Corinthian church, no man speaking by the Spirit of God would call Jesus accursed. How many remember that in the Bible? Isn't that right? So calling Jesus accursed in a church service, is totally contrary to what the Word of God is. So that was probably a fleshly spirit and not the Holy Spirit. Oh, hello, somebody. And that's what we have to learn to discern in our own lives. Am, uh, what am I about to do? Is it going to be displeasing to God? Am I going to offend the greater one living on the inside of me? We all, all of us can fall into that category. Because sometimes the preacher's preaching to the preacher. Can you say Amen. Because it's all coming from heaven, and it's all coming from the Word of God. So you have to understand that you're anointed. You're anointed. You don't have to necessarily be a preacher to be anointed. You can be an anointed housewife as you're vacuuming, and as you're cleaning, and as you're praying in the Holy Ghost. Come on, hello, somebody. You can be an anointed stay-at-home mom. You can be an anointed lawyer. You can be an anointed doctor. You can be an anointed nurse. You can be anointed maintenance. You can be anointed. Listen, hello. Amen. Doing what God's called you to do. Can you say amen? Just use the anointing of God. Learn about the anointing of God. Trust the Holy Ghost. Get to know Him. And the only way to get to know Him is by spending time with Him. Can you say amen? 
I mean, I'm just scratching the surface on the anointing. I have like about five or six more pages left over. But, you know, I think this is just a little bit of an introduction of, of the anointing of God and how you're anointed. Yeah, you are anointed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. You don't necessarily have to be in the ministry to be anointed. Come on, somebody. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet if you would? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed, if you would, please, right now. Thank you, Jesus. I believe that the anointing of the Lord is here right now. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. To meet whatever need that you need to be met. We just thank you, Father, right now. Every, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this place this morning, and maybe, you know, at one time you asked Jesus to come into your heart, but somehow, some way, maybe you've kind of fallen back into the world a little bit. You know, some of these things in the world that you're doing. And listen, Kanye just gave his heart to Jesus. I mean, my gosh. And he's shaking the world. And that guy was an open Satanist. I mean, he was open Satan worshiper. Come on, hello, somebody. Just for that very fact alone right there, ought to tell you what times we're living in. Because in, these, in this last day of harvest, the most unlikely people are going to win thousands 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 of people and i believe actually i believe the harvest is really beginning right now i mean it may be misting i mean before it was a cloud i think now it's starting to mist to be quite honest with you man i feel the anointing see i feel his presence right now. i can feel the presence of the lord right now and that's what i'm talking about is when you're when you're in a service where god's presence is that is just so precious to me so maybe you're in this place and at one time you ask Christ to come in your heart. Maybe you never ask Christ to come in your heart. Well, you know, I'm going to give you an opportunity to open up the door of your heart and get some things right with God. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you would, please. If you're here today and you've never asked Christ to come into your heart, I'm not talking about going to church. Not, not, that's not it. Being part of a church group. A lot of people went to church this morning, but they're not born again. And you've never asked Christ to come into your heart. I, I, I want to open. I want to ask you right now. I'm, and I'm going to pray a general prayer here. So if you're here and you've never asked the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, to come into your heart, would you slip your hand up real quickly and put it down? Is there anybody in here? You've never done that? Thank you, Jesus. All right. The second thing is this. Maybe you've had one foot in the world and maybe you haven't been in church. Maybe it's been a long time since you've been in church. Maybe you're living in the world. And you say, Pastor Jack, today I, I really want to, I want to rededicate my life to God. I mean, I see what's going on. I see what's going on in our country. I see what's going on in our government. I see what's going on in the neighborhoods. I see, I see what's going on. And I, I want to rededicate my life to God. And I'm, I'm praying a general prayer here, but I want to rededicate my life to God. If that's you, would you slip your hand up real quickly and rededicate your life to God? Thank you, sir. Thank you, young man. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, John. Thank you. I'm going to rededicate my life to God. I, I, I want to give him 100%. 100% to him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, the third thing is this. If you didn't lift your hand on salvation, or if you didn't lift your hand on rededication, but you're not 100% sure that if you were to die today, you'd make heaven. You, you think you would. You know, I, I think I'd go, but I'm not real sure. And, and this morning, you want to make 100% sure that if you were to die today, God forbid... And nobody's going to die today, but just, you know, God forbid if somebody did die today in this room. Are you 100% sure you make heaven? And if you have a question about that, well, you can make sure this morning. If that's you, would you slip your hand up real quickly? I, I need to make 100% sure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. 
If you didn't lift your hand on salvation, rededication, or make sure, but you want to be included in the prayer, I'm getting ready to pray for those three things. Salvation, rededication, or make sure. Include me in that prayer, preacher. Would you slip your hand up real quickly right now in Jesus' name? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. All right, look at me if you would, please. Everybody look at me. A couple of you lifted your hands. You've chosen wisely. That's, that's, you are making an awesome decision. A decision that will change your whole destiny. So if you lifted your hand on any of those invitations or should have, would you come and meet me right down here? Come on, John. Come and meet me, bro. Come and meet me right here. Come on. Come on. Just come and meet me right down here. Just come on. Yeah, just come on. Just come on. Come and meet me right down here. That's awesome. I'm going to pray a prayer with you. Amen. Come a little closer. Come on. I won't hurt you. Yeah, good. All right, cool. Hallelujah. Yeah, come on. Come stand right here. Wonderful. So what you've come for doesn't come from any man. It's between you and God. But the cool thing is, is you made the decision in your heart right here to change what's going to happen tomorrow and next month and next year and the years after. So it's very wise and very smart. And it, and it takes a little bit of humility to actually come forward and go, you know what, I need God more than anything. And that's an important thing. So I'm going to just lead you in a general prayer, okay? And those of you in the congregation, stretch forth your hand toward these. And just close your eyes, if you would, and lift one hand toward heaven. You're reaching out to God if you can. <laughs> and just say this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I open the door of my heart, and I ask you to come into my life. I make you my Lord and my Savior. I give you everything. My life belongs to you. Forgive me of all my sins. Cleanse me from unrighteousness. I rededicate my life to you, God. I know now, if I were to die today, I'd be with you in heaven. Because Jesus is in my heart. My sins have been forgiven. And I'm in right relationship with God. Satan, I serve you notice. You are under my feet. I and my home will serve the Lord. Father, if I stumble and I fall, I will run to you and not from you. Thank you, Lord, for touching my heart today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Woo. What's your name, bro? Oscar. Oscar. I'm Pastor Jack, man. Nice to meet you, man. What happened? Something happened, didn't it? Yeah, it's wonderful. That's the anointing. Now I want to pray for you. Can I pray for you guys? Am I right? Why don't you just close your eyes and lift your hands? Just close your eyes. Lord, seal them by the Holy Ghost right now. Father, I thank you right now. Just seal Oscar right now by the power of the blood of Jesus. Because right through you now. That's it, bro. That's it right there, man. You, you feel God? Yeah. That's God, man. He's on you. Your life will never be the same ever. There it goes right now. Take it, bro. It's yours. Father, I thank you for the anointing. Now, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you right now for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Father, thank you for this young man. Let your anointing come on. There it goes right through you now, son. That's it, right now. In Jesus' mighty name. Oscar, what's happening, bro? You feel God? It's real, isn't it? We're not playing games, are we? Lord, I thank you for Oscar, man. Use him. Reach his family. Reach his friends, Lord. The fire of God come on him right now in the name of Jesus in a powerful way. That's it right there, bro. That's it right there. That's it, bro. That's it. That's it. That's the fire of God, bro. That's the fire of God on you, man. That's the fire of God. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo!
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It's what it's all about, man. It's what it's all about. Hallelujah. Anybody need healing in your body? Arthritis, dealing with arthritis, back pain, joint pain. Anybody, migraine headaches, anything like that. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you right now from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. And the anointing, there goes right through you right now in Jesus' name. Perfecting a healing and a cure by the blood of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus. By the name of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus. By the name of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus. By the name of Jesus. The name that's above every name. It's a name that's above every ailment. The name, the name of Jesus. It's all powerful. Everything must bow. It's me to the name of Jesus. And Father, I give you praise for it. I give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Anybody else need healing in your body? Oh my goodness. You know, God touched you big time Sunday night, didn't he? Lift your hands and close your eyes. The devil's a liar. Fire now in Jesus' mighty name, the Son of the living God. There it goes right now. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. It's the anointing. It's the, the anointing is the yoke-destroying, burden-removing power of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Can we lift our hands and just give God praise? Father, we give you praise today. Thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're the power side of God. And Father, we thank you for the anointing that destroys the yokes of bondage. We bless you today, Father, as we just spend the rest of the day resting until you bring us back tonight at 630 safely. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. You are. Thank you for joining us this week. It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net. Have a blessed week, and remember, the best is yet to come.